Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. If I'm wrong, nothing happens. We go to jail, peacefully, quietly. We'll enjoy it. But if I'm right, and we can stop this thing, Lenny, you will have saved the lives of millions of registered voters. Good evening and welcome to Three Guys in a Flick. This is where we review the good, the bad, and the absurd. This week's episode, Ghostbusters. Beware, spoilers. Coming to you from my basement as always, my name is Don. And to my right, we have the web guy and comic book guy, John. I'm ready to go. And to my left, the professor, Ken. Wait, 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 wait. I've always wanted to try this. And the flowers are still standing. Okay, so we are talking about Ghostbusters, uh, released on June 8th, 1984, directed by Ivan Reitman, written by Dan Aykroyd and the late, great Harold Ramis. It stars Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Sigourney Weaver, Harold Ramis, Ernie Hudson, Annie Potts, Rick Moranis, and William Atherton. When was the last time you guys saw this movie? It's been a while. I'd say at least five years. I'll bet you it's probably been a couple of years for me as well. But I got to say, the quotes, they're they are still on the tip of my tongue. There are many quotes that I still use regularly. Yeah, well, this this film is timeless, right? It really is. It, it I think it, it holds up well. You know, when you look at, you know, uh, Ivan Reitman's other movies, like uh, Stripes, uh, Meatballs, you know, they're, those don't hold up to time as well because of it was a different climate back then. And, and Ghostbusters is tamer that there's not issues so much of sexism or um, uh, irreverence in, uh, you know, a political climate and such. But I agree this, this is a good timeless movie that I felt, I feel personally that it it does hold up well. Agreed. (laughs) <laughs> easy going tonight i see i'll be playing the part of the professor this week oh will you okay right. so so how'd this do in the box office this was made for 30 million and it walked away with 295 million i read that it was actually the most successful movie of its time until a home alone came out looking at the films that came out in 84 i mean you had the karate kid beverly hills cop police academy terminator came out in 84 as well what, what movie came out on the same day uh, I have no idea. Gremlins. Gremlins came out. Oh, there it is. Gremlins. Uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Romancing the Stone. And, of course, Purple Rain. Thank you, Professor. So this movie, adjusted for inflation, this would be the 32nd highest grossing movie of all time. And this is crazy because comedies in general were not considered to be a good investment. Very, very risky. When Ivan Reitman first showed this to a test audience, he grabbed 200 people or so off the street, had them uh, look at the rough cut of the movie. Not everything was in there and the library scene. 
he knew this is going to work. It's going to work. This is okay. But when it was shown to the executives, completely opposite. All of the executives thought, oh, we are losing our shirts. Nobody, nobody laughed at any of it. Well, what I was amazed to find out, it did so successfully and it had a script, but apparently the actors didn't follow the script. Most of the lines were ad-libbed in the movie and to have an ad-libbed movie do so well is a testament to the actors that were in it. Yeah. <clears throat> and didn't Dan Aykroyd, he, uh, he originally wrote this for John Belushi and I believe Eddie Murphy. Eddie it was going to be John Belushi, Eddie Murphy, and him. And that was your Ghostbusters. Yeah. Even before that, it was going to be just him and John Belushi. Oh, was it? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. And Eddie Murphy had to do 48 hours, so he couldn't do it. Unfortunately, John Belushi passed away. But technically, Dan Aykroyd put him in the movie. Well, actually, I think it was Beverly Hills Cop. I'm sorry, Beverly Hills Cop. You are right. Uh, but uh, John Belushi was in the movie. Do you know what part he was in Beverly Hills Cop? No. no, in Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. He he has a sort of an honorary mention. Well, he was the model. Oh, for, for Slimer. Slimer. The, the oh. inspiration for and Slimer. The I, scene, I didn't know that, actually. The scene where he's eating all the food out of the cart, uh, the inspiration for that was from Animal House. Animal House. Mm-hmm. See if you can guess what I am now. Exactly. That's Yeah. Animal House is the shit. Um, <clears throat> okay. So if you haven't seen Ghostbusters... Shit, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, Peter Venkman, Ray Stance, and Egon Spangler work at Columbia University where they... Actually, it's not Columbia University. Columbia University specifically allowed to have the movie on their site if they were not mentioned by name. Oh, really? So oh, I guess they don't mention the uh, university's name at all, do they? Mm-hmm. Well, these three guys work at a university where they research the paranormal and conduct experiments on their students. After they are kicked out of the university, they decide to go into business for themselves as paranormal exterminators known as the Ghostbusters. In the end, they do battle with an ancient god named Gozer and a giant Stay puff Marshmallow Man who wants to bring an end to all humanity. Did you know what they originally wanted to name this movie? Ghost Hunters? Ghost Smashers. Ghost Smashers, right, because there was actually a, uh, a naming dispute. Uh, someone actually owned the name Ghostbusters, and they kept trying to well, buy it from them. They owned the name The Ghostbusters with spaces in between, mm-hmm. and they got into that big dispute of trying to get the name and everything, and eventually they agreed to allow them to use Ghostbusters. But the interesting thing is, is after... Uh, the movie came out and did so successfully. The original people that owned the name wanted to make the animated series. And of course, Dan Aykroyd refused because he had so much trouble getting the licensing for the name. He said, no, you can't make it. He wanted to give it to, I believe, a group called DIC. Mm-hmm. And the group actually came out with, the other group came out with their own uh, show called The Ghostbusters, an animated series that wasn't based off of the movie at all. Right. So that's why we got the real Ghostbusters animated series. Yeah. It's just such a memorable film from beginning to end. I thought Rick Moranis did a terrific job in his role. The original plan was to have John Candy. Yeah, John Can Candy. Can you see John Candy playing that role? He w- he he was offered the role, but creative differences. Kind of, because if uh, the first character of John Candy that I could imagine being like Lewis 
would be the security guard from Vacation. That's exactly who I thought of. Except John Candy wanted to play it with a German accent. <laughs> I can see that too. <laughs> uh, rest in peace, John Candy. You, you know who else read for Lewis? Who? Jay Leno. Oh. <laughs> I think they cast it right. Rick Moranis was perfect oh, in this role. knocked out of the park. Absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic. Maybe I got a milk bone or something. Fantastic character. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, who brought the dog? <laughs> yep. Um, oh, Dana, it's you. <laughs> he has such a crush on Dana, and she, you know, you she's cordial. In, you want to come in for a low sodium I, water? Even though the sequel is horrible, the fact that they had Dana have a baby in the second movie, I so wanted it to be his. Oh, because they they have to do it in order for the yeah you know that whole th- scene where they kind of when he's the gate uh, keymaster uh, and that's the how they get the gate open <clears throat> yeah apparently it was supposed to be the child of the guy that she's talking to coming out of the orchestra area remember she's talking to in Doctor Veyman yeah out? you know that's the, the guy that's supposed to be the, the father the musician the, the, yeah the, the second one was such a it was the Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four for yeah. me so. Um, well, it had its funny moments and it had, you know, the Ghostbusters and, and that's what you really wanted to see. And it had Bobby Brown at the time, which was, you know, mm-hmm. uh, all on our own or just on our own was the mm-hmm. name of the song. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it just didn't have the same magic that the first mm-hmm. one did. And so I didn't really pay too much attention to it. And when you uh, get a bunch of actors who are forced to make a movie, you can feel it in the movie. Yeah. Cause they were all contractually obligated. To make the second one. Yeah. Did you hear what happened with Ernie Hudson's, uh, the script that he got? No. It was supposed to be a, a, uh, a much larger role for him in the movie. And he agreed to come on board for half of his usual pay. And then the day before it, they gave him a very stripped down script. And so it was, it, it's sort of a bittersweet thing for him to look back on. He's happy and he's grateful, but at the same time he was disappointed. Well, I originally read, I read exactly what you're talking about. And I read that the first script was meant for Eddie Murphy. They were going to have him play a much bigger role, mm-hmm. but when they cast Ernie Hudson in it, they decided to cut it back down because he wasn't Eddie Murphy. And so I, I, I agree. I, I would have liked to see him a little bit more in the movie. So, you know who else they were considering for that role besides Gregory Hines and Reginald Bell Johnson? <clears throat> Do you ever see Running Scared, Gregory Hines mm-hmm. and Billy Crystal? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Cop buddy film? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know who Reginald Bell Johnson is? It's uh, Al. Sergeant Al Pell, Al, the Al, Los Al. Angeles yep. Police Department. But he does get one little bit role there in, in the jail. Ghostbusters. He's, oh, is he still in it? He, yeah, he he plays a police officer when he, you know, got to got to go, got to talk to the mayor. Oh, nice. The scene at the beginning where uh, Venkman is conducting his experiment with the two people. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> Ivan Reitman said that, but that that uh, Murray just loved filming that scene. Oh, it, and it shows. I mean, but is it? creepy that he's hitting on yeah a little that he's a that he's a professor and he's hitting on a student yeah, yeah. it's well, a you little got, you got the idea from the spray paint on his door it's not the first time 
Oh, what did the spray paint say? Burn in hell, Vengman. Yeah. Oh, right. Originally, it was supposed yes. to be a bunch of uh, like cuss words and everything uh-huh. else. Uh, but yeah, they went with that because the whole idea was this isn't the first time he's hit on students. Oh, how funny. Yeah. So the experiment that he's conducting, it's a real experiment. Oh, really? Yeah, but the way that it's supposed to work is the uh, the person gets more voltage each time and the person administering the electrical charge, are they willing to back down? Can they keep doing it? Are they willing to continue to keep doing that despite knowing that they're hurting somebody else more and more? Mm-hmm. And I love the guys doing it for five bucks. Oh my God. <laughs> when, yes. the, the, the shock where he uh, drops his gum. <laughs> There's only 75 more to go. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen this film, again, shame on you, but I get it. Um, we open with. Uh, I don't get it. <laughs> we open with Bill Murray's character, well, who actually, is Dr. Vakeman. We open at the library, but I jumped in with Peter. Sorry. But I was, I was kind of thinking, is the library, I mean, do we care? Um, well, sort of, because in the library, it has practical effects in it. And I, I really appreciate the practical effects that show in the movie. Uh, the, the books floating across, the, the cards coming out of the card catalog. Anyway, I've really appreciated the, the practical effects in the movie. It, yeah. it, it looked really good. And yeah. I, I, I really like that. Yeah. So did you, were you floored the first time you saw the librarian ghost floating there glowing like that? Yeah. Uh, I remember seeing that in the theater for the first time thinking, man, that looks fantastic. You know, I don't think I got to see this in the theater. Ooh. Yeah. Go figure. When I saw it, uh, uh, I had just graduated from high school, me and my two buddies, and we went to the theater and the three of us, yeah, let's go. We're going to go see, oh, I don't want to see Ghostbusters. Well, yes, you do. Yes, you do. And my buddy, I want to see Gremlins. Well, you know, you know, no, I, I want to see Gremlins. And so, fine, we went and saw Gremlins. Okay, let's go see Ghostbusters now. It starts in 20 minutes. Seems like, well, okay. So, that was a double header for us. Saw Gremlins and Ghostbusters on the same day. And you liked Ghostbusters better? Totally. And I asked, so yeah, what'd you so. think? Which one did you like better? Did you like Gremlins or Ghostbusters? Eh, Ghostbusters. Yeah, well. What about you? Do you remember when you first saw it? Yeah, I believe I saw it with my dad. In Factoria. Yeah. No yeah, cool story yeah. like Ken's. No. Uh, <clears throat> pretty sure 84, I was in the fourth grade, probably wouldn't have been allowed to see it. Well, it was PG though, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. PG, yeah, correct. It was PG. I think I, I think I saw it on VHS. Mm. I think I read somewhere that it was meant to be an adult type film for adults to go and see. Yeah. But over time, more people under the age of 18 have seen it than over yeah yeah the the parents were impressed enough that they thought it was okay to show to their kids mm-hmm. and, and so that also dovetailed in at the same time that a merchandising uh process was starting to be seriously considered so watching all the star wars merch go out the studio started flooding us with ghostbusters stuff oh, wait a minute they have merchandise for this movie? Some. There is some. Oh, so it's beyond the, the Ghostbusters hoodie I'm wearing and the, the proton gun I brought and the ghost trap I have at home. We are sitting next to a real Ghostbuster. 
I fucking love it, John. Okay. Now let's fire that bitch up again. What does that what does that shit sound like? This is the gun. You gotta get it closer to the microphone there, brother. Okay, so John is wearing Venkman, and very much. John, you are definitely Venkman. Don, yeah, you're you're you are um you are very much uh no, I don't. Th- I think I would put Don as Venkman. I think I would too. I'd be more Ackroyd. Yeah, I think you're going to have to be Stance. Yeah. So that leaves me being Spangler. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, Egon, you're mucus. All right. <clears throat> so Don, yeah, Don, you're Venkman. Thanks. And yeah, you're Stance. Yeah, I'll go with that. <laughs> you want my hoodie? No, no, no. You please. Uh, it looks better on you. I'm not wearing anything underneath, so. Oh, well, I mean, if, okay, <laughs> we digress. Uh, here are some of the other names for Venkman that they were considering. No, I have not. So some of them you probably know. So uh, Chevy Chase was offered, mm-hmm. turned oh, it down. Oh, I can see that. Michael Keaton was offered. Yeah. Turned it down. Steve Gutenberg was offered, turned it down. And then uh, they also were thinking about Tom Hanks and Robin Williams for Venkman. Interesting. I don't know if the movie would have ever gotten done if they put Robin Williams in it. He would have just been so hilarious and just gone yeah. off on so many tangents. Sure, yeah. sure. Spengler, they were um, considering Christopher Walken, John Lithgow, Christopher Lloyd, Jeff Goldblum. But they also offered the two, but he turned it down, Michael Keaton. And then Dana Barrett. Dana Barrett, they had Julia Roberts read for the role. But do you know what pushed them to pick Sigourney Weaver? Alien? I did hear about that. It was her... Uh the way she tried out for it. The way she auditioned. How did she audition, Ken? She got up on the couch and she acted like a dog and was barking and howling. Oh, nice. Because she turns into a, I guess, yes, dog. Yes, she does. Who were they considering for Gozer? Gozer was Paul Rubens. Can you imagine that? Yeah. In yeah. Pee Wee Herman at that time? Sort of I mean, way, he, was, yeah. <clears throat> he was in his prime, really. Yeah. Or he was just, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Janine, they offered that to Sandra Bernhard. Oh, I'm glad they picked Annie Potts. Mm-hmm. I agree. I thought she did a great job. I agree. Yeah. 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 I you know, I I wouldn't I wouldn't go back and change any of this cast. No, totally. Casting was totally. perfect. They yeah. were great. And they worked so well together. Yeah. Following their first encounter with a ghost manifesting at the New York Public Library, the university dean fires them and dismisses the credibility of their research. In response, they create Ghostbusters, a paranormal investigation and elimination service operating out of an old firehouse. They developed high-tech nuclear-powered equipment to capture and contain ghosts, although business is initially slow. So the scene where uh, they get fired, right, and they're they're coming up with this idea, what are we going to do? Bankman talks Ray into getting another loan on his house or something. Three, uh, three mortgages. Three mortgages. Three mortgages. Here's a little piece of trivia for you. When they're passing the flask or the bottle back and forth uh-huh. drinking, that is cherry brandy. Oh, is it? Yeah. Let's go back to the library for a sec, because there is a classic line in the library where Dan Aykroyd's character knows exactly what to do to deal with the librarian. That was your plan? Get her? Ivan Reitman, driving to the set, the morning that they shot that, he thought of that while they were driving in, and they threw it in just like that. Do you think they wrote Dan Aykroyd's uh, line where he goes, listen, do you smell that? You smell something? <laughs> well, the, the part with the uh, Held Ramus 
where Bill Murray says to him about, I stop you from drilling a hole in your head. <laughs> that would have worked if you hadn't stopped me. That was completely ad-lib. Oh, so They good. made that up on the spot. Harold Ramis made that up. Oh, so good. The falling bookshelf. Do you remember the falling bookshelf in the basement? Yeah. That actually happened. That it, wasn't on purpose. That wasn't on purpose, and it stayed in the movie. I think I knew that. That yeah. that sounds... Because, I mean, their reactions are pretty good, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, stating character and... Mm-hmm. Did this ever happened to you before? <laughs> Nope. <laughs> so they now know that there's ghosts out there and their research isn't, um, you know. Well, they know that the fun. ghosts are tangible, yeah. which means they can be caught. Yeah. So they, uh, oh, uh, Ray and Spangler have an idea for a containment system. Mm-hmm. And then that's when Bill Murray's like, well, let's go into business. And then they get the three loans and then they go into the firehouse. What did you guys think of the firehouse? You know, when they're talking to the real estate agent. I love that. The Egon goes through all the problems with the firehouse and how it's just a death trap. Yeah. And here comes And the neighborhood looks like a war zone. Yeah. Dan Aykroyd's character. Yeah. Hey, does this pole still work? <laughs> and that was the deciding factor. I'm going to go get my stuff. We should sleep here tonight to try it out. <laughs> you know, try it out. Yeah. And then uh, Bill Murray. And that wasn't that the Chachi's mom or something, the actress? Maybe. She's been in a few things. Mm. Yeah, she is familiar. After a paranormal encounter in her apartment, cellist Dana Barrett calls the Ghostbusters. She recounts opening her fridge and seeing a demon dog-like creature that uttered a single word, Zool. Ray and Egon research Zool while Venkman offers to inspect Dana's apartment in a failed attempt to seduce her. The Ghostbusters are hired to remove a ghost from the Cedric Hotel. Having failed to properly pre-test their equipment, Egon warns the group to never cross the energy streams. They capture the first ghost and deposit it in a containment unit in the firehouse. Paranormal activity rapidly increases across the city and the Ghostbusters become famous for their exploits. They hire a fourth member, Winston Zedmore, to cope with the growing demand. In the scene in Dana's apartment where uh, Venkman says to her, or he points and goes, is this your bedroom? Mm-hmm. And she's like, nothing ever happens in there. Well, that's a crime. What a crime. Oh, yeah. what a crime. And, and you know what uh, really makes that work is uh, Sigour- yeah, or Sigourney Weaver's reaction to that comment. It's like, did he really just say that? And then she kind of chuckles because maybe she found it charming a tad bit, but who knows? I guess uh, going on to that scene, they gave uh, Bill Murray like a bunch of different things, like you know, instruments that he could choose, and he chose that little spray thing that he picked up that had little, like the little stick and the little. Squ- I guess that's to help find termites or something. No, it's uh, it's it's used to uh, expose gases. Oh, that's right, it's a gas thing. Yeah. Are you using it right? Well, I think so. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so in the kitchen where the eggs are uh-huh. and the eggs cook, why are all of those eggs cooking and yet the marshmallows don't melt at all? The package stays just fine. Well, that is also our first introduction to one of our later characters. Yes, what do we it call is. that, John? Foreshadowing? It's called foreshadowing. Yeah. Um, that is a great question, uh, Professor. And I think the answer is... Um, Demonic eggs. No, it was written that way. That's exactly, that is exactly the correct answer. It was yeah. written that Plus, way. they didn't want to have uh, melting marshmallows to draw your attention to the Stay Puft. They, they kind of put that in the background. To, mm-hmm. Yeah. Because now, and I mean, seeing it later. But now, it's a great know. practical effect. Oh, absolutely. The, the whole movie is pretty much practical. So, yeah. You know. And they actually snuck 
they puff in into a couple places in the movie before mm-hmm. we actually see him. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. The scene where uh, the tra- the big containment system breaks and, the, yeah. and it, the, it's, it's all the rooftop shoots shot up. and everything shoots out this, the top. Yeah. He's on. He's painted on the side of a building. Oh, is he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So, uh, so I'm going to go for broke. I am madly in love with you. I can't believe this. Will you please leave? <laughs> So many good lines in this. And then she threw me out. She thought I was a freak. She thought I was a weirdo. And then and then we get Lewis coming back out in the hallway, locked out again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a, a running gag. He gets locked out three times, which is ironic. Why? Because he's the key master. Oh. <laughs> you know, I never even put that together. That uh, yeah, is that's funny. <laughs> well, that's why you, my friend, are the professor. That's a good one. I never, I never put that together. And I've seen the Ghostbusters a gazillion and five times. So yeah, they uh, now they get a call one night, and uh, someone calls in. They've seen a ghost, so they now they got to go to work. And it takes us to one of the best scenes of the movie, I think, that their time at the hotel. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I love what they say to that guy before they get on the elevator. He says, "What are you guys supposed to be? Some sort of cosmonaut?" Somebody saw a cockroach up on 12. Oh, that must have been some ro- roach. Bite your head off. <laughs> I've, I've actually, I'll take the next, next one. Co- I've actually stayed in that hotel, the, Bil- the Biltmore. That's actually in California. And then when they're going up the elevator and the pack is turned on for the first time and then you watch them scoot to the side that of the right. elevator. That was one of my favorites. Yeah, that is classic. <laughs> Let's split up. Okay, yeah, yeah we can do more damage that way. way. Yeah. Oh, that was another practical effect. So they put up a false wall, mm-hmm. and then they put pyrotechnics along the wall. Wow. It looks good. What did you yeah. think of our first introduction to Slimer, or as they called him on set, Onion Head, because of the smell? It was awesome. You can't think uh, of the Ghostbusters without Slimer, and, and that's, just, that's just the way it is. And when you saw him for the first time on screen, you're like, yeah, right on. This is, this is going to be fun. This is going to be cool. Mm-hmm. Right, and then it do- and it does. It just keeps getting more fun, and the stakes get amped up even more. Now we're battling for humanity, and you know, it's a classic, classic comedy and a, f- a fantastic ride of a film. Another great thing is when they first get off the elevator, and the housekeeper. Oh right! The, what the, the hell are you doing? <laughs> that was a great scene. Yeah. Um, I also love them down in the ballroom when they're moving the tables. <laughs> they're pitching the whole table. They're picking up and just. No, no, no. It. I need more room for the trap. Set it here. Set it here. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, uh, upstairs before they get down there, I mean, this is probably one of the most iconic scenes from Ghostbusters, mm-hmm. right? Slimer's jumping around. Mm-hmm. First, uh, Ackroyd's character sees him and he, he can't get him with the proton pack and he calls Murray and. He's looking at me, Ray. He's a he's an ugly little spud, isn't he? I think he can hear you. <laughs> it's all right. He won't hurt you. Backman, backman, backman. I guess this is one of the most misquoted lines from this movie that they talk about, where a lot of people think he says he slimed me. What is it? Isn't it the or says a. Uh, he he says he's slimed. Oh, he slimed me. He, they said people always think he said uh, I've been slimed. I've been slimed. Yeah, he he says he slimed. He, says, he, slimed, he slimed me. me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I can see what you're saying. Probably people probably erroneously thinking I've yeah. been slimed. 
that doesn't even that doesn't even roll off the tongue right. I've been slimed. I've been no way. But no. it's just a misnomer <laughs> and, is what John is bringing yeah. up. And the fact that Egon wants a sample. Oh, that's great. Oh, Give me a sample. Save me a sample. Get down here quick. It went into the ballroom. Maybe we should just act out the movie. And then and then another iconic line in the ballroom. Whoa, 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 whoa. Nice whoa. shooting, Tex. I feel like we're all becoming uh, Chris Farley's character on Saturday Night Live with, yeah, that was cool. Remember that scene? That, that was cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that skit. Yeah, this, that. This, the whole podcast is going to be us being Chris Farley. Yeah. Remember when this happened? Yeah, uh, that was pretty cool. So they ca- they capture Slimer. They put him in the trap. Uh, <laughs> we came. We saw. We kicked its ass. Uh, well, uh, going back into the room uh, when Ray throws down the trap and he goes, "Don't look directly into the trap." And he opens it and Egon, <laughs> "I'm looking, Ray." <laughs> I looked at the trap, Ray. <laughs> it's so deadpan. I mean, he's just. <laughs> Well, and and that was a conscious choice that uh, Harold Ramis made that Egon is always going to be serious. He's not yeah. going to ever smile. Yeah, he purposely made it so he never smiled in the movie. Uh, he, does he, he does give a little bit of a grin when yep. Bankman gives him the, the candy, candy bar. bar. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But I see what you're saying. Do you know that when Harold Ramis passed away as a memorial, people brought Nestle Crunch, Crunch. Bars and Twinkies and left them outside that firehouse? Mm-hmm. Very touching. Very touching. Yes. And then that bit, you know, where now let's talk, you know, and then uh, Spengler, you know, the, the, you know, this is how much we're going to charge by putting his fingers up to his cheek. Oh, I love that. That yeah. was great. And, and we're, we're having a special this month uh, on containment and storage of the. And that'll be an additional $1,000. $5,000? I had no idea it would be this much. I won't pay it. Well, then we can just put that right back in there, can't we, Dr. Spengler? Yes, we can, Dr. Dr. Bingman. (laughs) Yeah. And then we get to our first montage. Yep, everybody. And you notice that everybody gets a turn holding the trap. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, Bankman and then... Stance. Stance and... well, I mean, Stance usually gets them right, yeah. Spangler. Spangler does Because he's also wearing the goggles. Yeah. Yeah. And we get the, the Ghostbusters theme. I think this is the first time we hear the song. Uh, in the movie i that mm-hmm. that sounds right and this montage shows off a lot of new york and, and it is considered an affectionate homage to new york and it helped lift a heavy cloud that new york had been experiencing for a period of time as not being an attractive city oh yeah have you seen escape from new york <laughs> I read somewhere that they only spent like what three weeks in New York filming. Yeah, they yeah. didn't even spend that much time in New York, even though it's supposed to take place there. Yeah, all that running around—that uh, was just off the cuff, and they just went out and they filmed. Didn't they do also most of that montage, everything before they even had done most of the stuff for the film? It was just kind of some early promotion. Mm-hmm. No idea. Now, now going back to the song, was it the song "I Want a New Drug"? Mm-hmm. Correct, Huey Lewis. Wait, when did that song come out? I want a new drug. Yeah, came out way before. Uh, way before eighty four. Yeah, and, and curiously, Huey Lewis in the news was approached to do the to do a song for the movie, but they declined. Yeah, and so they people believe since uh, Huey Lewis sued Ray Parker, Ray Parker Jr. for stealing the riff from "I Want a New Drug." Uh, that he tried to make it sound like Huey Lewis's song because they originally wanted Huey Lewis. So Huey Lewis sued 
won. And in there, in the settlement, it was actually agreed to a non-disclosure agreement that Huey Lewis would never talk about the lawsuit, would never talk about the controversy, would not talk about the settlement. Then Huey Lewis went on to do VH1's Behind the Music and talked about everything and revealed he settled for $5 million. So Ray Parker Jr. sued Huey Lewis and got all the money back. <laughs> well, there so, you go, So Huey I guess Lewis. they're not friends. So yeah, this is the first time we get uh, the montage uh, and the, the, the song. Uh, and then after that, we meet Winston. Yeah, Winston comes in looking for a job. Is immediately hired right on the spot. Uh, then they have to go down and empty the ghosts into the containment unit. Well, before that, we have uh, Dana accepting the date from Peter at the fountain. Oh, right. And he, he comes out and asks mm-hmm. Dana on, on a mm-hmm. date. Then, yeah. I always, well, feel like, I always felt like Peter uh, uh, really uh, uh, wore her down. Right? I, I kind of yeah. got the feeling that she didn't even like the guy. Yeah. But yeah. <clears throat> she, he, he really kind of bugged her or whatever. You're more like a game show host. <laughs> you don't act like a scientist. That was improvised by Sigourney Weaver. By Sigourney. Yeah. Yeah. It was supposed to be used car salesman. Oh, how funny. Oh, he's so much more of a game yeah, show host than, totally, a, than totally. a used car salesman <laughs> for sure. I was like, can you imagine Belushi though in this role? Could he have been the romantic lead? Was he going to be Vankman? I believe so. It was the plan was he was originally written to be Vankman, but the movie was also written to be in the future and Ecto-1 was meant to fly. So there was a lot of changes they made in this movie. I guess had they made it with Belushi, it probably would have turned out similar. And I could I could see him being Bankman. He he was a lead, and he wasn't always just a, a secondary character. I mean, he was pretty big in the Blues Brothers, you know that yeah. uh, movie Neighbors and uh, Right Continental Divide. Yeah, I think Belushi could have pulled it off. Yeah. So the date ends up setting us up for you know the third act of the movie, and then right after that, then we go down to the basement, and that's where we get the Twinkie. Tell him about the Twinkie. Well, imagine the paranormal, does he say paranormal? Imagine the paranormal activity as represented by this Twinkie. This morning's readings would produce a Twinkie that is approximately 35 feet long, weighing 600 pounds. That's a big Twinkie. And then then I love uh, how Ray is explaining, when the light is green, the trap is clean, and the ghost is incarcerated in our custom storage facility. Yeah, that's awesome. And then... We meet right after this the antagonist, one of the villains in the movie, Peck. I yeah. loved his character; he was great. And and you know what's funny about that actor, William Atherton, uh, kind of plays the same character in every '80s movie there is. Yes, uh, yes, real real genius, real genius, <laughs> Die Hard. Mm-hmm. Ironically, what's his name in Die Hard? Dick, and he's called Dickless. Oh, but in Die Hard, his name is Dick. Uh-huh. Yeah. But yeah, he his character was great. I, I loved how he delivered his lines. He was so good in it that he got so much hate after the movie came out. Yeah. I guess in one he told one story of a school bus driving by with a bunch of kids all yelling out the window at him, dickless. Nice. Yeah. Uh, uh Ivan Reitman runs into him like a year later. And, uh, you know, he's happy to see him, but uh, it wasn't a two-way street because uh, he, uh, Atherton was genuinely angry and upset because he couldn't even go into a bar without people wanting to pick a fight with him. <laughs> so I guess he embraced that character, right? Cause, well, America certainly did. Yeah, because, I mean, every movie that I've seen with a guy, 
Yeah. Same character. Yeah. He just he plays a great asshole. Yeah. He's yeah. Just I, I just he just delivers those lines so well. <laughs> and what is the magic word, Mr. Venkman? Please. <laughs> May I please see the storage facility? Now why do you want to see the storage facility? Because I want to know more about what you do. Anyway, I, I think that this this is our villain. And the question is, is he the main villain? Or is it Gozer? Which one who's the real villain of the movie? Is it Atherton? Or you know, is it Peck or is it Gozer? Well, which one is gonna end humanity? But at the same time, who is it that He's the catalyst. Yeah, he, he he gets that ire up inside of you. So when you see him on the screen, you're like, ah, right? Yeah. But, so, the, But I wouldn't necessarily call him the... He is a villain, absolutely. Or would, he is a antagonist, for I, sure. Absolutely. I would call him the foil of Venkman. He's the complete opposite of Dr. Venkman. Why does it have to be just Venkman? I don't know. It just seems like they are the ones who are kind of going head-to-head. Well, they are the ones that are, you know, because I guess I guess Venkman is the voice of mm-hmm. the Ghostbusters, right? So it's mm-hmm. natural that he would mm-hmm. talk to this guy from the EPA. Mm-hmm. Um, is it the EPA? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> I just watched this motherfucker. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, they they definitely are are uh, opposites uh, for sure. And then we get Lewis's party. So Lewis holds a party for his clients. Rick Moranis, again, just kind of sells everything. The look, the hair, it was the all bumbliness. Him walking through the apartment was all one continuous shot that was mostly ad-libbed. <laughs> this is Annette and... Who is it? Uh, uh, maybe Barry. This is Annette, or is it Bob? Something like that. This is Annette and Bob. She works in accounting. He works for a no, CPA no, firm. No, uh, his, his cleaning company is in receivership. And so <laughs> here he is spilling all the personal details. Yeah. Yeah. I love how he, he invited all of his clients so he could write off the party. Yeah, yeah. And then that tall blonde. Casey Kasem's wife. That, that's who she is. Yeah. I knew I knew her. She was also on Cheers for a little while. Mm-hmm. Was she? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was just a little bit, little character on Cheers. Oh. And then <clears throat> that's where we get the introduction of the terror dog how would you think of that the terror dog yeah as in like those effects they look kind of rough when putting that animal into running motion yeah but again i mean it's 1984 and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when you watched it you're like i I think this is one of those movies that when you do watch it you kind of throw all that out the window and you can't do that with all older movies, mm-hmm. uh, not by any stretch of the imagination. But I think with Ghostbusters, because you you have so much love for it and so much nostalgia for it, um, when you see the ghost, uh, the ghost dog or the gargoyle dog, they come from the gargoyles, mm-hmm. right? I, I forgive it, and I think it's fine. And it worked back then. Yeah, and and the mm-hmm. map paintings that they did for this film, I mean, you can see a lot of it. Mm-hmm. you know a mm-hmm. lot of the skyline and the city and yeah. that's a lot of that's painted in yeah so who, who brought the dog <laughs> yeah so at the same time this is going on uh dana's gonna get ready for her date with peter she gets a phone call from her mother and you then made a date tonight oh that's okay you can bring him <laughs> he was so disappointed but then he turns it right around. Yeah. You know? oh, yeah, that's great. I'm gonna tell everybody for- that you're coming. And then he can't. And then she goes into the apartment, and he's, he's still locked out. Yeah, the key master. Didn't he say something like they were gonna be playing Twister later or mm-hmm. Parcheesi? 
They said he Parcheesi. offered Parcheesi when the when the terror dog comes up, but he mentions Twister to Dana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I've seen the movie before. <laughs> and how many times have you seen this movie? A lot. So then we have uh, Dana's transformation. Dana's transformation. She gets kidnapped by Gozer. Mm-hmm. Well, she, she becomes gets... Zool, doesn't she? No, Zool is the 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 dog. No, Gozer is the big god at the end. Yeah. Gozer is... Gozer's the chick? The Gozer's nim- the, the David... The, the nimble little minx. Yeah. This chick is toast. Mm-hmm. So she... she No, she's the gatekeeper. No, remember when she opens the fridge in the beginning? And something says Zool? Zool. Zool yeah. That's the demon dog in, in oh, the Oh, okay. So I, that's yeah, Zool. That, yeah, I don't remember what the sense. name of the other one is. Yeah. No one ever really brings that up. Well, he does. When when he's uh, when he goes through the, all that history of Talking to the horse? Yeah, and he's talking to the horse and such. But, uh, yeah, Zool, she gets possessed by Zool. Yeah. The gatekeeper. Mm-hmm. And then Lewis gets possessed by, because the, the, and I love how they say, uh, somebody bought a bear to a party. A cougar. Oh, it was a cougar. Mm-hmm. Right. That's yeah. so New York. Yeah. Uh, Venkman shows up for his date and he goes upstairs and, uh, oh boy, are you the gatekeeper? No. Slam. No, she no, does she say, Are you the key master? That's what it's it key is. Master. Yeah. Are you the key master? Slam. No. And, and then he comes. And then he talks on the door again. Yes. yes. I'm, well, I'm a friend I, of his. <laughs> <laughs> now you're talking about practical effects. The scene that they actually have her floating. Uh did you know how they did that scene? Mm-hmm. They basically did it just like a magician would. I guess there was a big uh, pole that went into the curtains. Ivan Reitman uh did some time on Broadway and a uh, magician, Doug Henning was able to have uh, Ivan Reitman see how that was done. And so he reproduced that for the movie yeah. and they put her in almost a full body cast to lift her up. Yeah. It's great effect. So she tries to seduce him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Surprisingly, he says no, I know. And, and uh, out of character, which is funny because she starts with, uh, do you want this body? And he looks at her and uh, he says, is this a trick question? <laughs> okay, here's my question. My question is, what the hell are you doing showing up on a date with Thorazine? Oh, I just gave her 10 cc's of Thorazine. No, he gave her 300. You know 300 cc's? That's like that's like a third of a liter. People on the internet actually uh, put this out there that the type of doctor that Dr. Vaintman was mm-hmm. wouldn't have access to Thorazine. So where did he get the Thorazine? Where did he get half the things that he's gotten? I mean, come on, he's I mean, just, maybe he just brings that on dates. Maybe. Which yeah. and now he's now he's even more creepy. First yeah. he's sitting on the Date college students. Drug? Yeah, now yeah. he's getting Thor's. Oh, and he just happens to have a syringe to Okay. Good plan. Yeah, this'll work. Or did she have it in her medicine cabinet? She was a musician. I don't know what that has to do with anything, but you know, people in the internet have all of these <laughs> These ideas. What the fuck is the internet? And why are people giving us their ideas? Guess what, America? We don't care. So Thorazine, just by the way, it's relaxant. And it's a uh, uh, an antipsychotic drug. And he had it because it was in the script. It was written that way. It was yeah. written that way. Yeah. Well, there you go. Now we're bothered by the EPA again. They come. They want to shut down the trap. Uh, in the meantime. This time he's got the. Uh, oh, but. But the police, the police drop off Lewis. 
Right. The police with, drop with, off Lewis. With Spangler. At, right. God, that was a great scene too. Yeah. That was because, uh, you know, uh, Rick Moranis was just so delightful in this. Yeah. <clears throat> Would you like some coffee? Yes, have some. Yes, have some. I I have said that more times than I can count. Yes, have some. And and so this is now when Peck shows up. And Peck shows up with the police and uh, and a union guy, and they're going to shut down the power grid. And then we get that quick little conversation. I wish that there was a little bit more of that kind of conversation that happened between Winston and uh, and Ray in, in the Ecto when they were talking about the end of the world and why they're so busy. Yeah, that's a that's a great scene. Yeah, the interesting thing too with that is, do you know why this movie even got written? Oh, mm-hmm. because Dan Aykroyd, I guess, has this deep interest in the paranormal and believes in ghosts and the paranormal. Uh, and, and so does his family. And so does family. So they really, he really wanted to write a movie about it. In fact, the prison scene, the jail scene, was filmed in a haunted jail. Really? Yeah, that's why Dan Aykroyd picked it. Why were they in jail? They were in jail after the uh, Peck turns, has the union guy turn off the machine, the containment, and it blows up. They get taken to jail. When the containment unit blew up, all the Slimers and Class 5 vapors and everything gets released out, and which is a great scene, too. Sigourney Weaver's character wakes up, that song is playing, mm-hmm. and... Uh, you have the spirits and everything running through the city. And that's where we see uh, Slimer again uh, in the hot dogs uh, yeah. scene that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. And Tolly basically says, as the key master, this is the sign he's been waiting for. Right. And then <laughs> I like what uh, Janine says. Remember, Lewis says, this is a sign. Yeah, it's a sign we're going out of business. Yeah. <laughs> They're arguing in... Um, Peck starts saying, uh, these men caused this blah, blah, blah. And then finally Egon loses it. I love his Your mother. Line. Your mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so good. I mean, what else can you say about the Ghostbusters? Mm-hmm. They're so good. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, whilst in jail again, uh, all hell's breaking loose. And so now the mayor wants to talk to the Ghostbusters. So that's a great scene. Yeah. Which gave us probably, it's probably one of the most iconic lines of the movie. It's probably one of the first two or three lines that somebody will recall from the movie. When you think about Ghostbusters, the one that Don did at the beginning or different line. Well, everything was going fine here until the power grid was shut off by Dickless here. Is this true? Yes, it's true. This man has no dick. (laughs) That's what I've heard. (laughs) That's what I heard. Yeah. So good. And then, uh, is it the cardinal or the bishop or someone of the the church walks in and the mayor instantly goes to him as like he's, you know, his spiritual advisor or whatever. It's pretty funny. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, uh, after Bill Murray says that, he looks over at the... At at the father. At the father. And the father looks over at uh, At, Lenny. And and he just kind of gives him a head nod. I get, you better do it. So the Ghostbusters get their equipment. They know where they're going. They end up at Dana's and Lewis's apartment building. And uh, they get out. They're absolutely celebrities. The earthquake happens. They get back up. Um, Now. I thought it was great going from that, that big moment that, you know, they just climbed out of the hole and they're looking really strong and great. And then the next thing you see them on the stairs. 
yeah. climbing each <clears throat> step. Yeah. Yeah. And oh God, looking at that, going, and I'm going up. What do you suppose we are? Somewhere in the teens? Well, tell me when we get to 20. I'm going to throw up. I'm going to throw up. Well, uh, how come they couldn't use the, is there were no power in the building? An, an emergency. I'm guessing something well, like the, that. Well, the emergency does run the elevator. Well, my, but, no, my, only down. My thought also is the fact that it's not necessarily true. Gozer or whoever just destroyed the street and tried to swallow them up. Would you really want to get in an elevator? I have 21 floors, man. He would send that skyrocketing down. Or oh. up. Yeah. So I'm wondering, you know, okay, so you, you watch all that tumultuous, you know, the, the, you know, the, the, the Ghostbusters fall into the hole that's been created. Why does everybody continue to stick around? I don't know. I always thought about that in you Spider-Man know, movies. They it, always stand where all the rubble is falling. You know, it, they have the National Guard there, and what? They're just across the street, but they continue to stay there. What the hell are you doing there? What are you doing? Okay. They yeah, want to see. And they, then they go inside. Okay. I guess... Well, they're doing something in there now. Well, that's what they want to see. That's what they're waiting for. They look up because half the building's missing, and you have this big beam of energy or well, whatever yeah, coming yeah, down. Yeah, all that lightning and the black yeah. clouds. And I, but still, what are they sticking around for? There's well, nothing to see. Okay, uh, okay. You just said it. They're okay. looking for so the lightning. Then, yeah, and the, so, the, so the ground opens up, and they almost die, and then, yeah, we're safe now. That's I would, okay. I would at least take two steps back. Come on. People Maybe should, five. People Maybe five steps. for their own safety should be told, go home. Yeah. But nope. Go, they're go still stand, there. Go stand in Central Park. Watch it from there. There you go. But does any of that happen? No. Nope. We cut to the Ghostbusters going up the stairs. They finally get there. Uh, they see... Dana's apartment. Dana's apartment. Now, she are, they, just are, they already transformed into the dogs, right? Yeah, they're up on mm-hmm. top of the roof. Uh, yeah. where they just oh that's right because ray says moment. hey where do these stairs go and then they get up to the they go up right they go up um and then <laughs> so venkman starts going and then he stops and it, okay you go you go yep yeah, yeah. <laughs> bill murray so, i mean come on so gourney weaver said that um after the movie it was not unusual to have little ones would ask her upon meeting her if she really turned into a dog Oh, how funny. That's very sweet. Yeah. So they get up to the roof, and this is where we meet Gozer, right? This is the David Bowie-looking chick? Yeah, it was modeled after David Bowie and... Stardust? No, and uh, what's her name? Grace Jones? Grace Jones. It was supposed to be a cross between David Bowie and Grace Jones. Oh, I can totally uh, see that. It was a French model that they used... But I guess they couldn't understand the line she was saying. It was kind of an Arnold Schwarzenegger thing. Mm -hmm. So they had to dub over... With another actress. Yeah. The great dialogue there too, though. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, the traveler has come. <laughs> well done, sir. Uh, <clears throat> they have, they, they're they going to go talk to her and Venkman looks like, go get her, Ray. Ray's <laughs> great line of uh, cease and desist kind yeah. of. Uh, Gozer the Gogarian, uh, leave, leave, uh, leave now or. Yeah. Go to another him. go to a parallel dimension. Yeah. Are yeah. you a god? No. Vegman <laughs> nods. Yeah. yeah, he's telling him to say yes. Yeah. <laughs> no. And Greg goes, no. <laughs> then die. And then they all get knocked down and uh Winston has the best line, which is Ray, when someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes. <laughs> yeah, Bill Murray. Okay. 
this chick is toast. Uh, then they get all uniformed, and that's our hero moment for these guys. And, you know, they shoot their beams. Oh. She jumps. They finally hit her once, and then she disappears, and they're like, that was easy. Because <laughs> we had the tools. We had the talent. It's military. And then choose your destroyer or choose yeah. the form choose the form uh bankman everyone clear your mind don't think about nothing think oh about that. that's a great scene yeah and, ju- and just the look on Ackroyd's face because he knew he fucked up he knew yeah. he he uh thought of something what did you do ray i couldn't help myself it just what? popped in my brain it just popped in there what what just popped in there something it, from my childhood it's the stay puff marshmallow man we get a hundred foot marshmallow man roaming through the streets of New York. The first look of Stay Puff's face, that happy look, is just so comical. Mm-hmm. I love his face. He looks so good. Yeah. I thought that was perfect. That enemy was perfect. Oh, it, I mean, yeah, it was. Um, yeah. I mean, everything about it. Everything about it. So the the rooftop where all of this is taking place, that was one of the largest sets ever built. And, and they built a panoramic city skyline around it as well. Yeah. And it took a ton of uh, electricity to run all of the lighting, so much so that when they were, they had to shut down other parts of the studio in order to have the electricity available for the lighting. Yeah crazy that is crazy that's a lot of power what do you think of gozer's costume i didn't think much of it i thought it looked like she had a bunch of cotton balls glued to her spandex yeah it was simple uh at the time i don't think it took me out of it by any means um i thought she looked like she was in a music video yeah just yeah kind of but it fit the time 84 everything else was great that took me a little bit out of the movie the red contacts they'll really help i guess the the actress the french model hated the context i guess back then they really hurt oh i thought they but, looked great but i thought that looked good but the rest of it just didn't work but i did like how they kind of covered up with well she takes whatever form she wants yeah i uh i i, I really thought that she looked great yeah. Uh-huh. yeah and so the stay puff marshmallow man comes and there is only one solution only one solution which is to torch him well they torch him yeah and then uh but they have to stop Gozer. They have to stop the whole thing, and there's only one way that they can do that. Well, when they when they shoot the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, weren't you kind of wishing they had some chocolate and graham crackers? Just think how much s'more. Everyone down below could have had a s'more. Well, they still could have. I mean, they do eventually blow him up. Yeah. I mean, he does blow up. I mean, he covers mm-hmm. uh, Walter Peck. Mm-hmm. And that was, I guess, tons of shaving cream that they dropped. Oh, how funny. On him. Yeah. Did you hear about Walter Peck getting... Uh, dumped with that stuff i just heard he got dumped on what happened to him well so he's he's looking at what's what's on him and he asks the special effects guys so uh he's he's underneath and he's looking at so how much does it weigh and he's like "Uh, it's 150 pounds and okay but um and he's thinking inside his head just a second here this is a little bit like having a hundred pounds of feathers or a hundred pounds of lead it's still 150 pounds. Uh, can I just see how that would work? So they went and they got a stuntman, and then they dropped it on him, and it 
totally floored the stuntman. Oh, wow. And it's like, okay. So then instead of 150 pounds, it was 75 pounds. And so uh, he was very, very pleased to take it after that because he was saying 150 pounds, man, that's going to knock me out my ass, which yeah. it did. Yeah. Great effect. You know, it, it, it certainly played well on film. For but, sure. But going back to what you were talking about, you're talking about crossing the beams. Cross the stream. They have to cross, cross the, the stream. streams. Cross right. the streams. And, and Vinkman's, I love this idea. I use that all the time. Nobody, I, ever, nobody I have ever, heard you say it more times than I can count. And nobody ever gets it. I love this idea. I'm excited. Let's do it. I use that all the time. Yeah. Impending death and Vinkman's like, yeah, let's do this. Uh, why can't they cross the streams? I don't think we talked about that. No, we didn't. It would be bad. Well, hold on for a second. I'm I'm fuzzy on the whole good bad thing. Try to imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously as every molecule in your body explodes at the speed of light. Okay, so that's bad. Right? Total protonic reversal. All right, important safety tip. Thanks, Thanks Egon. Egon. So okay, so they have to cross the streams in order to close the to swing the doors yeah. back to swing the doors back to close it and get rid of gozer and the stay puff marshmallow and in the attempts hopefully save dana and lewis who are still dogs i dogs. do like how egon points out that you know well the, the good news is a very slim chance we'll survive yeah <laughs> it's great i love this idea there it is yeah. uh, so they do that it works uh they're all covered in marshmallow because Stay Puff blows up. Well, no, no. They're, you know, three of them are completely covered in marshmallow. Did you notice that Venkman comes out and he's only got like a little bit in his hair? Oh, yeah. A little bit. I loved that scene. That was yeah. Bill Murray's idea. Was it that he just was not uh -huh. very covered at all? Yeah, of course it, would, it was. It would be funnier for him to come out with practically nothing. Yeah. And uh, Dan Aykroyd, he loved the shaving cream. He was telling them, don't no, put more on. Put more on. Yeah. Put more on. Now, what I didn't get, though, is you notice they're covered in the shaving cream and everything up top. But when they come down below to the crowd waiting for them, their uniforms are most, all pretty much cleaned up. Well, because they had to walk down 21 fucking flights of stairs. But if that was really marshmallow, you know how hard that would be to get off a uniform? Okay, I want to take you back to the time that you were roasting a marshmallow on top of a fire, and it gets nice and soft. Have you ever had the experience of the molten lava of a wet marshmallow, they should be covered in third-degree burns. When you have a liquid marshmallow like that, people should be dying. Well, we don't know it's hot. Well, then why is it so liquidy? Uh, it's a interdimensional bean, and it cools at the slightest touch of air. Maybe so, he really was made of shaving cream. Uh, no, absolutely not. No, he definitely was the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. So that that was my beef. But maybe he was living a lie. And, and then my other little my other little beef was once they got back downstairs, everybody's clapping and cheering. Yeah, no, they should be coming down to carnage, carnage with all of the explosions that were happening up above, all the particles and the gargoyles and falling. all of that debris falling down, <laughs> and people were being kept ten feet away from the building. They should be coming down to carnage and people with third-degree burns. Okay, I have a theory. They weren't. They were ten feet away when they came down because uh, they radioed down the Ghostbusters after it was all said and done. They radioed down and said, "Okay, we're coming down," and then they let the crowds come back because. Uh, when the Ghostbusters went upstairs, all the cops in the National Guard turned around and said, "100 yards, everyone walk that way." 
Yeah, that that's that's probably what happened. That's exactly what happened. Not. You don't know that. You're right. I don't. But it. I don't think it'd be. Yeah, woohoo! And nobody'd be clapping and cheering if they came down to find that everybody is laying. You know, dozens of bodies littering the street, and, and paramedics and emergency people taking people away. Do we ever find out? Did Peck survive? Oh, I'm sure. He, uh, he, I'm sure he, he did. did. He's not in the second one, though, right? He's no. not in the sequel. I no. think so. So they go up. Uh, so they close the door. The, the aftermath of it. I love what Dan Aykroyd says when they're on the roof. Still, he says, uh, it "Smells like burnt dog." It, oh, oh, sorry, Peter. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and the look on Bill Murray's face is just kind of disbelief, mm. you know. And then naturally, they Lewis and Dana break out of the the shells. Yeah, right. of they the get dogs them out, and they get them out, and, and the day is saved. And that is Ghostbusters. What did you think of how abrupt? I thought that the movie ends so abruptly. Yeah. Go back and watch a lot of movies in the '80s. They all do. I kind of, you know, I kind of found that refreshing that we didn't have to have this whole big log drawn out, you know, will they, won't they with Dana and Venkman and all that. It's just, they get in the car and they drive off and they go, you know, I love how the whole thing is they're trying to back through the crowd and get out of the crowd and everything. I just kind of liked how it just ended. I, I was just surprised about how, how abruptly it ended. I, I felt like Sigourney Weaver didn't want to kiss Bill Murray. Kind of, she she kind yeah, of backs away and yeah. is he's like come on the camera's rolling so he so they kiss and yeah didn't it kind of feel like maybe you know it was three guys around writing the script getting everything ready and then at the end they're like I don't know what to put here let's just end it no I do like the last little bit with Lewis you know isn't that yeah. where isn't so, that does anybody home? want to interview me I want, I want to go with them. Well, well, I was also thinking. I think this is the part where Ray says, "You know, you've been in. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you've been involved in one of the greatest, you know, experiences since the Tungustany, ex, you know, experience of 1908 or something like that." That's great. I'd like to get a sample of your brain tissue. No problem. <laughs> okay. Okay. Who, who does your accounting? Yeah. So that, and then he comes back in the sequel as the accountant. I, I always thought it was kind of a misstep. Uh, pairing him up with Janine. I thought Janine should always belong with Egon. So in mm-hmm. the sequel, it should mm-hmm. have been Janine and mm-hmm. Egon. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, because Agreed. she pines after him the entire movie, and then to turn around in the sequel and give him to give her to Rick Moranis. Well, did you ever watch the animated series, The Real Ghostbusters? No, sir. They build on the love story between Egon and Janine. That's in the, the animated one. Yeah. I think, uh, are we ready to rate this thing? I think we should. I mean, have we gushed about it enough oh i can gush some more i, I feel like think I, we need to i feel like a one is coming from ken or from you i don't know from but, but how do we do our rating system don for those of you who are listening the way we rate our films is on a one to five scale five being the highest one being the lowest uh, and we kind of go by or if we were flipping channels and a movie came on how long would we sit and watch it for uh, a long time would we watch all of it some of it or none of it so that is how we do our rating scale who would like to go first would you like me to go first since this was my movie you don't have to but if you're ready go for it i would say this is one of those movies that even though again filmed back in the 80s it's funny every time you watch it absolutely and even hearing the same lines over and over again, seeing the same scenes over and over again, Bill Murray, the combination of Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, 
Harold Ramis, Ernie Hudson, just amazing. Uh, Rick Moranis, amazing. Um, love the movie all around. I mean, there's you just can't say anything bad about the movie. There is not one part in the movie that you can say, yeah, I wish they wouldn't have done that. I wish they would have done that differently. So for me, it's going to be my first five. There it is. It's your I sec- would watch it every time. It's your second five. What did I give five to also? I know, Kung Fu. Matrix? Oh, okay. I didn't think I gave that a five, but you're probably right. I think the only one who hasn't given anything a five is yours truly. Well, Don, why don't you go then? All right, I'll go. <clears throat> Ghostbusters 1984. Classic film. Probably one of the funniest films of all time. Uh, easily top five. You're right. You could watch this. I can watch this film every time and laugh at the same jokes that I've heard a thousand times. And they're just as funny today as they were uh, yesterday. Um, you know, the scene, the opening scene or, or the uh, shock therapy scene. When, mm-hmm. the, when the dude's gum falls out of his mouth, I will chuckle every mm-hmm. single time. Mm-hmm. Uh, when uh, Bill Murray is trying to get rid of the slime in the in the library. He's all, ah, 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 right. Every single time. And just, it's absolute classic. So I, as I was watching it, I was thinking to myself, I would watch this over a gazillion films, right? And so I wanted to kind of be fair. And, you know, would I watch this over some of the other films that I've given high scores to? And I'm going to say, yeah, I, I, I think I would. I think that when Ghostbusters is on, no matter where it's at, uh, you stop and and you pay attention. Uh, it, it's one of those films that will forever be um, remembered as one of the funniest films ever. So for me, I am going to give the Ghostbusters four point seven five. Mm. You're not my friend anymore. Sorry, dude. <laughs> are you? Are you even sorry? Yeah. You know why I gave it a four point seven five? Because I would probably I would probably watch this over the Road Warrior, but I know that there are films out there that I would watch over this. Mm, okay, so makes sense. That's kind of where I where I fell in at. Professor, where are you at? Well, I find this movie enjoyable to watch every single time. I love the uh, it's almost countless lines and the the delivery that happens with each one of these characters is so delightful and um i i dug being able to see this movie my right after i graduated from high school it's that euphoric time and i feel like it stood the test of time like i was talking about a little bit ago i do have some issues a, a, a few little issues like i was talking about uh the way the movie abruptly ends I find it mildly creepy that Venkman is trying to get a student. Why does he have Thorazine and a syringe with him? That Okay, uh, makes me a little uncomfortable. But at the same time, it is a really enjoyable watch. And I've been hemming and hawing. Where would I go with this? Is it a five? Mm. No, it's not a five. And so I, I got to say that um, I was initially thinking 4.5, but you guys have talked me up, and I'm going to go with Don, 4.75. Uh, you're Mr. Five Happy, 
you like to give out the fives. Did you give um, the Matrix the five? Yes. You'd watch Matrix over this? Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. No, that's it. Just asking. Yeah. Um, the, the movies that I've given fives to are, are movies where I just want to sit. If, if I come into it, I'm, I'm going to want to finish it, period. Yeah. With um, Ghostbusters, it's a little bit of a different experience insofar as because I've seen it so much and I'm able to savor each one of those moments, I'm willing to stick around, but not for the rest of the movie. Right. 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 You, you'll, you'll watch, oh, I want to get to this next scene. It's a little bit like watching, you know, like, like reruns of a favorite TV show, right? You don't watch the whole thing when it comes on, but if you surf into, oh, I, I got to watch this part. Right. Yeah. So I adore the movie, but I'm not going to stick around to the end, probably. So let me ask you this then uh, with your review. You said something about uh, Bill Murray being creepy and uh, some of the things that you couldn't get over. Uh, Did you think that when you first watched it? The first time I watched it, loved Bill Murray. Watching Bill Murray today in that role, I know that he's had a better Bill Murray uh, experience in another movie that I would put over probably what? or at least the same as Ghostbusters. This is classic Bill Murray, absolutely, and Bill Murray shines in this. But at the same time, Insincere is played by no is he is not, nobody plays Insincere better than Bill Murray. And there's another movie where I feel like that he plays it better. Let me ask you this question, Professor. I'm gonna get a little personal here. So I apologize, but you have a daughter. Your daughter's in college. Mm-hmm. Back when you first saw this movie, you didn't have children at the time, obviously. 18 years old. Yeah. Now you have daughter in college. Do you think the fact that you have a daughter in college kind of brings up that creep factor of Inkman? A little bit, yeah. But did you think he was a creep the first time you watched it? No. That's what my question was. No, not the first time. Yeah, but I, neither did I. And it really didn't occur to me until last night. Because yeah, you both have daughters. Where, I think it kind of, I think influences a little bit. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm sure it does. I'm sure. It and does. I have no children, so I'm okay with it. You're okay with him being a creep and carrying Thorazine. So we now know where John stands. <laughs> Pro Thorazine? Pro Thorazine. No, I and, am not. And with the machines. Yeah, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That makes so much I sense. I always side with the machines. Yes, so. that makes so much sense. All right, so we are now at the point where we're going to select our uh, next film, which happens to be our last film out of the helmet. Yeah, we each put in five films, and we have picked them all. We picked 14 films, and we have one movie left from Ken. And we thought for sure it was going to be your movie and not my movie. I know. I caught up. So, Don, since we only have one movie left, do you want to tell us what our next movie is? I told you last week. Ken, Ken, we know this is your movie, so... What are we watching? We are watching a science fiction movie. Nice. And this science fiction movie is by an actor. Barbarella? Is is with an actor that is going to get some conversation going with us. And this science fiction movie. I'm a little afraid. This science fiction movie is called The Edge of Tomorrow. Is this uh, uh, rinse and repeat? Is this the Tom Cruise one? This is yes. the Tom Cruise one. Yes. Yes. Yeah, this is the official title, The Edge of Tomorrow. But uh, Live, Die, Repeat. repeat. It's Sci-Fi Groundhog's Day. That's what it is. It's Sci-Fi Groundhog Day. Oh, absolutely it is. With Emily Blunt. Yeah. 
The I ev- actually the ever lovely, ever lovely, ever lovely Emily Blunt. Yeah, it was kind of badass in this movie. Oh, she kicks ass. <clears throat> I, I'll just say it. I like this film. Yeah, I liked it. <clears throat> it's been a while since I've seen it, so I'm kind of excited to go back and watch it. Uh, it's on t- TV a lot. I catch it a lot. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, and Tom Cruise, I can take or leave sometimes, but like I said, it's going to be conversation for next week. Yeah. So once again, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. We appreciate all the support to uh, the people out there who have listened to us. Uh, If you think it's funny or you enjoy listening, listening to us, pass us on to a friend. Uh, John, where can they find us? They can find us at our website at www.3guysinaflick.com as well as pretty much any of the podcast websites, uh, Spotify, our heart radio Podbeam, We're on them all. We also have a Facebook page and a Twitter page. There you have it. We are out on the line. All right. So for three guys in a flick, my name is Don, John and Ken. Thanks for listening.